to discuss this afternoon the Elgin Marbles versus Marfan's Sculptures and what to do, how to, how to come up with a solution. We have Lord Vasey, uh, needless instruction duel, the former culture minister. Sarah Baxter, who is now director of the Mary Colville Centre for International Reporting in New York. But uh, many of you will know her from, from her from her writings for the Sunday Times. Madeline Grant, who is a, a, a parliamentary sketch writer and columnist for the Daily Telegraph. And Stephen Parkinson, who worked uh, for Theresa May in Number 10 and is now a peer and was until uh, recently an arts minister. Uh, Liz Truss made a late bid to join this panel. She's just told GB News that she, she doesn't uh, favour sending, uh, sending them back. So the lady is not for returning. But... but, but um, <laughs> Uh, but, that, that, but as we've seen at this conference, that could change. Um, so um, I, I think without any further ado, I was going to ask my starting the panel to, also, to give us kind of two minutes at the beginning on their views, then have a little discussion among the panel, and then throw it open to you. So, Sarah, do you want to start us off? Yes, this was a story that I started as a novice on, but began writing about for the Sunday Times a few years ago, when Emmanuel Macron said it was time he could see no reason not to return certain African treasures, and at the same time, we'd just seen the Arch of Palmyra recreated as a replica in uh, Trafalgar Square uh, with Boris Johnson in attendance at the time, lauding this significant achievement of recreating something destroyed by ISIS. And it set me thinking, why didn't we send the Parthenon sculptures back? I'm not in favour of returning everything, but they are the crowning glory of Greece and of Athens, and they would be beautifully displayed in the Acropolis Museum. I've since been to Athens, attended a conference on the issue, became much more expert on it, and recently was in Greece um, only um, a few months ago over the summer, where um, I spoke to many Greek politicians and the uh, director of the Acropolis Museum. And I also interviewed the deputy director of the British Museum, who was clearly feeling on the back foot and under pressure after George Osborne had said, there is a deal to be done. And I think there definitely is. And what's more, moves are afoot. Stephen. Um, well, it's, it's, uh, until last month, I had the pleasure of being uh, arts minister. So you've got an embarrassment of former uh, culture ministers uh, on on the panel today. Um, but I'm very glad to see the Spectator uh, a magazine, founded in 1828, keeping up with uh, uh, debates which which raised uh, raged uh, with great enthusiasm even uh, 25 years uh, before uh, the magazine was founded. I, I over the last year as arts minister, I've had the, the privilege of seeing. Uh, the British Museum and uh, the work that they do. And I just think their position is inherently reasonable and it often gets lost uh, in this uh, debate. Um, sadly, half of the beautiful marbles which adorned the Parthenon um, were destroyed even by, or destroyed or lost to humanity by the turn of the 19th century when uh, Lord Elgin uh, acquired them. It was looked into by a parliamentary committee in 1816 uh, and a vote of parliament granted uh, um, the, the museum the money uh, to buy them and they've looked after them very well uh, for the last two uh, centuries. But they have about half of the uh, remaining uh, 50% uh, of uh, the marbles where they can be seen in the British Museum by about 6 million people a year as part of the great sweep of human civilization. Sarah has just described uh, the marbles as the crowning glory of Greece. I mean, you know, Athens is rightly seen as the cradle of uh, Western civilization. Uh, in the British Museum, a, a global collection, they can be seen alongside uh, treasures from so many different uh, uh, periods of, of, of human history. They can be seen in that context, as can uh, about the other half of the 
uh, marbles which exist be seen uh, in the, the excellent museum at the uh, Acropolis against the backdrop uh, of the, the building that they, they, they once adorned. Um, and there are, you know, a lot of um, uh, points in the two and a half millennia history of these objects that one, you know, might not wish uh, to happen uh, today. For me, the, the the worst episode comes in eighteen. Uh, it's sixteen eighty seven when the Venetian navy uh, fires on uh, the uh, the Parthenon, which was being used as a munitions dump, uh, and causes huge uh, damage uh, to them. Then, so there are lots of things you might wish hadn't happened. But the, the British Museum are looking after them well. Uh, their position is that uh, if the Greek um, government would uh, accept that they legally own them, as Parliament uh, uh, found when uh, they were they first bought them, uh, they would gladly lend them. They've lent uh, some of the marbles uh, in the past. They lent some to the, the Hermitage Museum in uh, 2014. Uh, and it seems like the, you know, the, the stumbling block here uh, is, is for the Greek government uh, to uh, to accept that. And there is a uh, a, a little element of hope uh, in recent years. There's the, the Palermo fragment, which was the uh, the foot of uh, the right foot of Artemis, uh, was in uh, the Salinas uh, Archaeological Museum uh, in Palermo. Uh, the Greek government were happy to uh, have that lent. Uh, they accepted uh, the ownership of, of that museum. Uh, and and the and, and the piece was 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 loaned to the Acropolis Museum. Uh, the British Museum would uh, gladly lend their pieces as they do um, to many museums from items in their collection, uh, you know, all the time. Ed, uh, well, I think uh, as Sarah said, there is a deal uh, to be done. I mean, I remember um, if I ever get round to writing my memoirs, I might devote a section to something called Jane Austen's Ring, and I remember. Uh, finding for the first time in my life as an arts minister, I'm sure Stephen would agree with me, we live as arts ministers in a very obscure uh, region where nobody pays us any attention, but I trended on Twitter for the first time ever because an American pop star called Kelly Clarkson had bought Jane Austen's wedding ring for £50,000 at auction and without noticing I had put an export stay on this ring because apparently I regarded it as integral to British culture and the way it works is that if uh, a museum can raise the money that the individual has paid for that uh, object, uh, the museum can do a deal and keep the object. And sure enough, Jane Austen's museum raised the 50000 and um, acquired uh, the ring. So I think it's important to note that every country values its cultural heritage, and we are not... Uh, immune to that. We care very deeply about our cultural heritage, we have done since the Americans started buying it about 100 years ago. So we put in place procedures to keep things that we think are culturally uh, valuable. In fact, Reynolds' portrait over my is currently a big issue. It's only uh, over in Ireland at the moment, but it's a big issue in terms of uh, being seen as part of our cultural heritage. So I don't think we should uh, denigrate or dismiss the Greeks' passion to reunite uh, the Parthenon sculptures uh, in the place uh, where they were originally placed. I think the whole issue about how they're acquired is highly complex uh, and it will obviously depend on which view you take uh, as to uh, where the Parthenon sculpture should ultimately reside, whose side of the story you believe. But I think most people who examine the history would accept that the acquisition of the sculptures, as was debated at the time, 
were highly dubious, and it would be interesting to see if they were ever fully, properly tested in a court of law whether that ownership could really be established by the British Museum. I do accept that uh, the British Museum, without doubt, has cared for them uh, for a great time. I wouldn't say that they've cared for them immaculately. You know that in the 1930s, of course, they were scrubbed uh, clean and damaged quite severely uh, in the process. So I don't think we can pretend that we were the best stewards uh, of the sculptures over that period of time. And I do accept that many people do see uh, the sculptures in the British Museum. Neil McGregor, who was the uh, director of the British Museum when I was the minister, did put forward the most formidable case for keeping, keeping the sculptures, which was based on the idea of the British Museum not being a British Museum at all, but a world museum for the people of the world to come and visit and see the civilization uh, of the world. But it was articulate, but it wasn't... I don't think it now really does hold water. I think that... Uh, the Parthenon sculptures came from the Parthenon. They should be reunited in the Parthenon. Uh, the Greeks have spent a great deal of time, money, effort and thought on creating a museum that would suitably house them next to the building uh, on which they were situated. Uh, plenty of people go to Greece and to Athens uh, and will have the opportunity to see them. As Sarah hinted, while I think it's important to be able to see the originals, uh, in terms of providing that sweep of civilization, uh, it's perfectly possible to use very accurate digital reproductions. Uh, and I also think this enormous gesture of goodwill of returning the Parthenon sculptures would see in return two things. First of all, the Greeks might lend us back our ill-gotten gains of the Parthenon sculpture, but they would certainly also, um, as a gesture of goodwill, uh, lend us back an enormous amount of very um, highly prized archaeological artefacts uh, which I was lucky enough to see in the Athens Archaeological Museum, which would be an equally great draw uh, to the millions of people who visit the British Museum uh, and would also, I think, uh, provide an energising feel to the way that the British Museum displays uh, the culture of ancient Greece. But I think the moral case is absolutely unarguable. The Parthenon sculptures belong back in the Parthenon, and indeed, if you go to the museum, you will see how some of these marbles were cleaved off the blocks uh, on which they were uh, originally carved in order to lighten them so they could be put on ships to take them back uh, to Britain. I think the logistical case is unanswerable. The Parthenon Museum is a world-class museum with certainly, when I was there, more than its fair share of tourists looking at extraordinary objects from uh, ancient Greece. Uh, and I think um, it would show us and the British Museum as a big nation uh, that was prepared to address this thorny issue once and for all. Madeline. Hey, um, it's wonderful to be here. Um, my position, at the risk of um, echoing too much what, what Ed just said, is, is not dissimilar. Essentially that I think we should, at some point in the future, give back the marbles, but not out of a sense of legal obligation. I, I don't believe that that case really stacks up um, and not because George Clooney told us to or the roads <laughs> must fall people told us to. I think because it's, it would be a good moral thing to do. Um, I was chatting to my friend John, who's Greek, and he said that it's really hard to overstate the importance of the marbles to, uh, to, to, to Greek culture. Uh, it, it would be like having half of... He said it would be like having half of Stonehenge transported to a different country or perhaps, given its importance in events over the last few, few weeks, um, half of Westminster Hall... Um, but it's very important that we do it because of, I think, out of that, that way. And in some, in, in, in 
in some ways it almost needs to be disentangled slightly from the prevailing cultural context. Um, we're living through a very iconoclastic time at the moment and I worry that you know you do hear a lot from the, the very clever people who say oh the slippery slope that's a bit of a, a dumbass sort of basic bitch argument um, <laughs> but it always gets proven right time and again the slippery slope turns out to be you know about the one thing that we can always um, rely on and I worry that even if we attempted to make that kind of unilateral gesture, which I, I would love, we, we have such a strong um, and proud history with Greece. And I think, for example, we might think of doing something like, I don't know, coinciding it with the 125th anniversary of Prince Philip's birth, for example. If there's a way of doing it in a soft power way that gets out of the kind of horse trading and politics. Um, but I worry that if we were to proceed in the kind of quite febrile climate that we're in at the moment, it would be seen as an invitation to, for a kind of wholesale restitution of just about every artefact that we have and undermining the way that many museums operate. I generally really don't buy into this idea that historical artefacts have to be restored to the place where they were made. I don't think that's the purpose of going to a museum, that you have your own culture just reflected back at you. Um, and in an odd way, I think the people who do argue for the wholesale repatriation are actually guilty of a kind of cultural nationalism of their own because they're essentially saying that, you know, everything has to stay in its lane, um, even if they are doing so in the name of woke. But as I say, I think the marbles are a special case. And if we could, I don't know, I think there needs to be a way of having that discussion on a slightly more high-minded way. It's been... In, ver in various ways, it's been linked to sort of colonialism and all kinds of terrible British behaviour over the centuries. It's also, there was even talk of it being wrapped up in the kind of economic bartering around the Brexit deal. I think it's all together on a higher plane. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how we go about that, but I would like nothing more than to reunite the statue of Isis with her missing head that sits in the, um, I can't remember which way around it is, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I just fear that right now the culture would not allow us to do that in a kind of level-headed, sensible and noble and decent way. Thank you. Um, Sarah, what, what would you say to the idea that, that re returning uh, the, the sculptures would be a kind of blow to the idea of a universal museum? That, that, that you can come to one place and see all sort of the, the achievements of all sorts of different civilizations and cultures in, under one roof, and that if you are going to start doing this, that you end up sending everything back everywhere. And there is no, nowhere in the world that anyone can go to look and marvel at the achievements of different civilizations all in the same place. Well, that's an excellent point, of course, but it doesn't really bear that much scrutiny when it comes to the Parthenon sculptures. First of all, we are talking about reunifying the sculptures. And, you know, what the Acropolis Museum has done is really quite magnificent, but just with fragments that Elgin left behind. And it would be extraordinary to see these, thing, these wonderful pieces of sculpture reunited. You literally have sort of arms in Athens and heads in Britain of the same centaur or warrior. Um, it's it just that, that in itself feels like an act of vandalism, that they ought to be reunited. Um, I'm not that interested in the sort of historical argument, you know, was there a firm and did Elgin buy them legally, etc. I think that's a red herring now because um, all these years later, even if we accept that Elgin absolutely saved the marbles 100% and had them on display wonderfully at the British Museum, that's over now, that's, that's several hundred years ago, we can look forward to the future. But 
um, where, where, you, where you talk about, well, restitution, I think, you know, we would want Stonehenge back. We would want uh, the clock of Big Ben back. We would want the crown jewels back. But we wouldn't let, want every artefact of Britain back. And in fact, the British Museum has wonderful Greek treasures. They're absolutely stunning. Um, that the, the Greeks are not asking back. In fact, they see it as a wonderful um, advertisement for um, their civilization, for the civilization of the entire world, for humankind. So um, it's not as if you would go to the British Museum and uh, you know just see a few pieces of sort of um, old Anglo-Saxon. Flintstones or something. I mean, it's... it's not a, just Sutton Hoo. Right? Not just Sutton Hoo. You would see wonderful things. And in fact, uh, the British Museum even has a, a marvellous frieze that hardly anybody sees that was comes from the same period as um, the Parthenon Marlboros called the Vassai, the Vassai frieze. And, oh. and it um, was part built by one of the architects of the Parthenon sculptures. And it's right there in the British Museum. Same era, two and a half thousand years old, you could go and see that universal um, culture. Basically, we all love Neil McGregor. He came up with a wonderful argument that was very, very seductive about the Universal Museum, the World Museum, but it is called the British Museum, let's remember, and he wasn't proposing to change that name. And I think uh, we're not on a slippery slope. It is of a different order of magnitude to some of the other claims that are being made on museums, and I agree with... Um, Madeline, that we should sort of separate it from culture wars and just look at this superb classical frieze that belongs um, in Athens. When you go to Athens, anybody who's been there, you can see uh, the Parthenon standing tall, 360 degrees around the city. It is, uh, you know, on this rocky outcrop. And uh, for the Greeks, it feels like a gaping wound. And for me... I always thought it was beautiful to see the mar marbles in the British Museum until I went to Athens and thought what they could look like there. So I'd love to see them reunited. Right. Um, shall we take some questions from the audience? There's a gentleman right in the front row here. So uh, my name is Margaret Rabucco, and uh, I have uh, recently uh, written a couple of times on uh, papers and, uh, uh, and various other outlets uh, against <coughs> the repatriation of the Parthenon marbles. And uh, uh, I, I, I feel a little bit for Lone Parkinson that appears to be <laughs> in, the, in the minority. <laughs> the problem, in my opinion here, is uh, that we should uh, uh, start with the basics. And the basics is... Uh, I'm an archaeologist, uh, I know exactly what that cycle is. And uh, it, it, there, is, uh, there is a disconnect between the narration that we have uh, in the theme, in the debate, and uh, what the actual historical reality was. First of all, uh, the debate on the name, obviously, we call, uh, apparently in the, publication, uh, in the publications, now we are going for personal sculptures. And yet uh, they also want uh, back uh, the, uh, the Caryatid of the Erechtheion. So why are we calling them Parthenon sculptures? Do the Greeks don't want the Caryatid of the Erechtheion back anymore? Then we should go for the actually more correct Elgin collection denomination, which was what is in the, in the Act uh, of Parliament that in 1816 actually gave the, collec the, the collection. Is technically, scientifically more correct. Second of all, uh, it's uh, the moral case. We are talking about uh, dispossessing somebody 
uh, in this case a museum, of a property that has so far, uh, as, as, as the evidence goes, uh, legitimately be acquired based on a claim that actually came up after the events. Because uh, let me read you from William Sinclair, which is definitely the most passionate advocate for the repatriation, and he says quite clearly, all the non-contemporary mm, uh, ways of looking at the Acropolis were invented and introduced during the last two centuries. So there is no contemporary evidence in the historical record that says that they wanted, the Greeks wanted the marbles back by the time Elgin was there. So we are trying to create a, a, a monstrum when it comes obviously to lawmaking, for example, because lawmaking must apply based on general principles must apply on any case, so we need to establish a new principle. Is this new principle going to be, if somebody makes uh, a good enough case, uh, even after uh, we subvert everything and uh, we take away the goods? Let's, let's remember that they are heritage goods, but they are still goods. So there is the aspect of property, which, by the way, the conservatives uh, have always uh, passionately argued for. So, Ed, are you undermining property rights here? <laughs> well, I agree with everything Sarah said, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss, and I, I don't want to cause a cleavage in our united front, but I wouldn't necessarily dismiss the legal ownership of the Parthenon sculptures out of hand. I think it is an important issue to address, precisely for why this gentleman issued it. But I think, at best, um, the legal ownership of the sculptures by the British Museum is ambiguous. And... Uh, in reality, I think it was legalised theft by uh, Lord Elgin, and I think it was um, uh, spurious contracts um, signed with an occupying force, uh, and indeed some of those contracts um, didn't even cover what Lord Elgin took away with him. So I think, frankly, if it was examined, as I said uh, in my opening remarks in the Court of Law, I think Lord Elgin would go down. This is when someone pops up and says they are Lord Elgin's descendant. Well, challenges I you, but, uh, Can I just get on the record that I'm in no way bitter at being beaten for the presence of the Oxford Union by Lord Elgin's second son? This is not where this, this campaign started 40 years ago. Uh, not that I want to kind of add grist to the mill that um, uh, the Tory establishment is just Oxford debaters gone wrong. <laughs> And I think the question of ownership is interesting because no-one disputes that, you know, you can legitimately acquire works of art that are culturally significant to another country, and tough, frankly. The best exhibition I ever went to was at Robert Ho uh, Walpole's house, uh, Houghton, and uh, it was when the Hermitage, amazingly in those days before Putin went completely tonto, uh, lent the entire collection that Horace Walpole had sold to Catherine the Great. Uh, and it was just stunning to see... In my view, the paintings reunited with the house, uh, which they should have been in. But I also accepted that the legal owner of those paintings sold them legitimately uh, to somebody else. So tough. I do not think that is the case with the Parthenon sculptures. And also, I think the Parthenon sculptures are so indivisible from the structure of the Parthenon uh, that more kind of grist to the mill is added. On, on a technical question... Can the British Museum hand them back if it wants to, or does it require the government's consent, or can George Oswald just... just, just... In th as I understand it, the 1960s... I mean, the, the other great thing... So, Parky will remember this, because um, we all, you know, as arts ministers, had to bloody defend the British Museum keeping the uh, Parthenon sculptures. Happily so. The first argument, first argument was World Museum. 
<laughs> the irony that you had to pretend the British Museum wasn't British in order to justify the British keeping the path of the sculptures. Uh, and the second argument, of course, is it's not a decision for us, it's a decision for the trustees. But as far as I'm aware, the 63 Act prevents the trustees disposing. They, 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 yeah, they, they, they couldn't dispose of them forever, but there's nothing in the law that prevents them loaning oh, yeah, objects. They could, they could and they, they do that. They, they have loaned one, yes. of, one, of, one of the items to uh, the, the Hermitage before, but, but long before um, uh, you know, the, the current problems with uh, Russia... Uh, you know, 2014. Uh, they they make other loans of other objects to the Acropolis Museum. They have a very fruitful uh, professional relationship with the Acropolis Museum and other museums in Greece and around the world. Um, and um, they have said publicly and repeatedly, and I think very reasonably, uh, that they are happy to lend these these yes. items to anyone who accepts yes. uh, their legal their, their, their legal ownership. Right. Yeah. And Neil uh, McGregor lent them lent them yeah. to the Russians precisely, as it were, to get the Greeks to agree that they would take uh, the path of the, the sculptures on loan. One, Neil McGregor was very big on soft diplomacy, and one of my favourite stories was when he uh, lent the Cyrus Cylinder to the Iranians to show that art could play a very important role in uh, soft power diplomacy, and the Iranians promptly took hostage six Royal Navy cadets uh, <laughs> who had strayed into their territorial waters. I always tease about that one. <laughs> but I, I just think you know, there is this sort of it has been done, and, and you know very recently with this this fragment, the Palermo fragment, although it's called the fake. I thought they. Uh, fragment, I thought the. It was it, it, the, it, it was it was lent back. twice. It was yeah. lent, lent lent initially for four years, yeah. and then lent again. Yeah. It was you know loaned, and again I think there's a bar in Italian law which is similar to the, the sixty three act the here. They've changed it's, the law. So but they but they but they but they before doing that they 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 transferred that into an indefinite yes, loan. I did, I did exactly. Now, now I do I don't think the British Museum would or should um, have an indefinite loan, but we could have the sort of, you know, the, the, their position for a very long time has been that they would gladly uh, lend the objects. You know, it's impossible to reunite them, very sadly. Half of the uh, the marbles no longer exist, but, you know... Of, That's a of, slightly of, spurious of, well, No, but it's not, because, it's not I mean, I, you know, there's a, there's a real emotional sort of yearning, uh, and I guess the Acropolis Museum is, is a wonderful, beautiful museum, uh, and it, it teaches you a lot about... Um, about the history of these objects, and as museums should, and it tells you about you know how you know they were sort of sawn off and uh, how they were sort of uh, how the, the boat that brought many of them um, back uh, sank and they were lost at the bottom of the Mediterranean and Lord Elgin had to pay for them to be to be resurfaced and all of these things you know ought to make us feel sad uh, and awkward, um, but none of these things can be undone uh, in the same way that the 1687 explosion which destroyed 60% of them uh, and meant that for the next century and a half they were being Scavenged in some cases, you know, turned and sort of, you know, uh, they, they can be used for lime. Well, no, we, 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 we can't undo that loss, but we, we, we can loan uh, items so that we can learn about them, the, the, the happy and the unhappy elements, you know, of, of their heritage. Uh, that's the British Museum's uh, position. And if the, you know, if the Greek government were happy to uh, accept with the, 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 the legal ownership, then they could have them on loan as, as they had them on loan initially from uh, the museum in Palermo. But isn't that the solution? That's what happened with the museum in Palermo. I mean, this is what the director of the Acropolis Museum told me, that you could... Um, so the British... You know, the, the, the Italians called it a loan. The Greeks called it a deposit, pending legal review of their status. There was then a legal review of their status. The Italians, um, who also by law couldn't just let them go, as we can't here in Britain, um, then... then changed the law and so they are no longer on loan at the um, Acropolis Museum they now belong to Greece so that that 
that was the diplomatic process. It started with us agreeing an indefinite, you know, a loan, maybe not even an indefinite one. It, you know, it could start that way and end up with the law being changed because I think I, I know so many people, including myself, who've been on this journey of thinking um, they really should, you know, they're beautiful at the British Museum and they should stay in Britain to really looking at the arguments and visiting Athens and, and changing my mind. And I think a, a lot of British people have changed their mind considerably in this a very short space of time, in the few years that I've been writing about this topic. But th th there is a challenge, though, is there not? Which is, you know, there is a numbers of people who see them. That is, that is surely a, a, a and, and, and it's a big gap. It's, it's six million people see, the, see them at the British Museum each year. 1.6 million see them at the Acropolis Museum. So if, if the objective here is, you know, for these to be as widely admired and learnt about across the world, and, you know, it's not just the British Museum that has there were items in the Louvre and the Vatican and museums in, in Munich as well. Um, they can... The, 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 the sort of the half of the half that, that, that still exist are in the British Museum and are seen against the sort of great sweep of human civilization and uh, it's a sort of, uh, nearly the other half are seen It's a sort of non-sequitur argument though isn't it Stephen because um, uh, first of all you don't know how many people who visit the British Museum actually go and see the Parthenon sculptures although I accept we don't know how many people who go to the Acropolis see the, uh, see the Parthenon sculptures that are there. Secondly if it's just a question of numbers then we should start shifting around all sorts of uh, objects uh, you know, we should go and uh, visit um, you know obscure Italian museums and demand that they hang them over their artefacts because the British Museum gets more visitors and therefore you know these are these are objects of global cultural importance and more people must see them. But is it, it, it is a factor, but it doesn't trump Ed, the moral yeah, how many, argument. How many Greeks in the six million? How many how Greeks in the six million? Well, on that basis, we should move. Well, on that basis, we should move the partner sculptures to Sydney. But, but on the but is, there, is it not what is missing from 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 uh, Ed and Sarah Madden? <laughs> the Greek civilization is about more than Greece. You know, the, the, the Western civilization is such a product of the glory that was Greece. But, but it is bigger than Greece. And so the yes. argument that these things should be... In Greece, you know, it's a bit like saying, well, we must return democracy to Greece because yes. they gave us that. You know, I mean, um, <laughs> do you not need to accept that... But, 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 no, but, but I think no, there's but, something in that. I think, it, it, I think it, all, it, Greeks, all Greeks should be allowed to vote in the next general election. <laughs> um, is there not something, though, that if you create such an amazing civilization, and, and, and you can argue the most important moment in the entire history of the world is the Battle of Salamis and the victories of the Athenians there, if you create something like that, it, it goes beyond your own country. And therefore, to try and argue that every object associated with the, from the pinnacle of that civilization should be in your country, not because because you have created a civilization that has become the civilization of, of I, would, I would say, the world, or, or at the very least, the West. Sarah. Well, OK, well... One of the things that sounds persuasive here sounds pretty weird when you're in Greece. So, so the Greeks get pretty offended to hear Britain now described as the cradle of classical civilization in that way. And no, somehow, I do. I'm saying that the, 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 the civilization has spread beyond Greece, no. and, and, and that we are all its children. No, I understand what you're saying, but the British Museum also makes this argument that's very similar, that is, they're the universal museum, and that somehow mm. Athens is the mere local museum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it does sound, you know, quite weird and uh, rather offensive, I think, to Greek ears. I mean, I don't want to portray it as England versus Greece, because I, I agree with you that our overarching interest is in the beauty of these wonderful sculptures and classical civilization. But I do think that... Um, the idea of both reuniting the marbles 
in their place of origin where they can be beautifully displayed right where they were first created is would be an astonishing act of generosity and morality and we would if um, if certain ideas are followed through, like the ones advocated by the Parthenon Project, we and I know the Greek government believes in this, we, we would get some magnificent yes. Greek treasures in return that I would love to see uh, coming to the British Museum and enhancing our view of classical civilization. So I don't think we're in a zero-sum game here at all. Exactly right. Right, let's take some more questions. Uh, there is that gentleman there. Um, so I, I, I'm listening to all of the arguments and I find them quite persuasive um, in, on both sides. But what I would ask the side advocating the, the return of the artifacts, I'm not so certain I understand what makes them so different from the plentiful other artifacts uh, from other places that might uh, otherwise be returned. What, what, what uh, are the arguments for not returning the, the Egyptian artifacts so on and so forth? Madeline, you, you you were making this case. You said that yes. you weren't in favour of return. You were in favour of returning this, but not other things. What 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 makes this a different case? Well, I think I think this because <coughs> I mean the strength of feeling in Greece is 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 quite extraordinary. I know that's a very difficult thing to measure, but it's one of those issues where I think that the British public cares rather less about this than Greece. I think that is very clear. When we've been opinion polled on this, um, the Brits tend to be in favour of returning them. Whereas I think speaking to Greek friends, Greek acquaintances, and of course the history of the Parthenon and where it, where it is situated. It's, it's part of a founding national myth, and part of the reason I'm drawn to it is the fact that, you know, I voted Brexit, and part of the reason was that I dislike the way that the, the EU often tries to kind of erode national identity by sort of imposing a one-size-fits-all mentality on, on all these countries, right? I think that national identity, national belonging, and in some cases national myths are incredibly important. And I feel that it would be a kind of global Britain gesture. Um, I don't know if that answers your question at all, but I, I do think it is, um, is it exceptional in the depth of feeling and, and the lengths that the Greeks have gone to to prove that they are ready to, look, to safeguard them and so on. Um, Ed, would you accept that if they were returned... Uh, the next day there would be a whole series of demands for other things to be returned from the British Museum because rather a lot of things in the British Museum uh, come from other places in the world with rather dubious provenance. Yeah, and I think um, that's important. I think there are a number of points to make there. First of all, uh, I don't think the Parthenon sculptures are unique, but they are perhaps in a uh, small collection of iconic and important cultural objects to which the original host country remains uh, very attached. So I'm not saying that it would all end with the Parthenon sculptures, but I certainly don't think it will be a free-for-all which would see our museums ended. And there are plenty of caveats that I think one should put around the return of cultural objects, and that could be based on legitimate acquisition, and I don't think the Parthenon sculptures were legitimately acquired. It could be based on the... You really are bitter about this defeat in the old space. <laughs> based on... Um, and this will sound deeply patronising, which I'm trying to kind of re resist uh, us getting into that hole. But, you know, the ability of the host country to, to take the object and display it uh, adequately and so on. So there'll be a whole host of other factors that should be do. But we've done this, for example, with the restitution of uh, art objects that were stolen um, during the Second World War. And we had a rest, uh, uh, spoliation committee that would examine uh, ownership structures and so on. So I'm not saying that we should just willy-nilly open the gates to anyone who says, can we have our thing back? Uh, there should be a proper 
and carefully thought through process and some proper carefully thought through uh, guidelines, just as there are uh, for the export um, stops that arts ministers use for objects that are deemed to be culturally important to uh, the UK. There are, I, think, I can't remember if it's Lord... Waverley. Waverley, that's it. The Waverley guidelines yeah. are there to be followed. And there is a very good committee which used to serve claret at lunch when it had rich chairs, so I used to go quite regularly, where you have a wonderful collection of interesting academics literally discussing with very great care whether it was worth putting an export ban on a particular object. So I think those are important um, factors to take into account. Let's have another question. Who else would like to... Uh, As a uh, yeah. person, could I ask a question? Of course. If somebody made a really good copy using all the latest technology of digital reproduction so on, and the director of the museum put the copy in place of the original, would anybody know? <laughs> so if, if, you, if, you, if we 3D printed it, would it be possible to tell the difference between the original and... Uh, this sounds like an episode... It sounds like an episode... It's beginning to sound like an episode of Lovejoy. Um, uh, but... Um, yeah. Sarah, the, the, the 3D printing argument that you can, you can reproduce this. So I began thinking, why not have replicas? You know, that was the point about the Arch of Palmyra, which has sadly been lost to civilization, but can be recreated through a 3D process. And there is very interesting 3D work going on at the moment. Um, and you can do them in pentelic marble and they would look fantastic. But I, I'm not sure you'd want to recreate the entire frieze like that. You might want to recreate some of the frieze and have some kind of wonderful digital display that would draw attention to the British Museum's long history of having the sculptures and talk about their return to Greece, which would be quite an interesting story in itself <laughs> that people might want to hear. Um, but, you know, I am mindful of the fact that, you know, as the uh, deputy director of the British Museum said to me, maybe people want to see the Mona Lisa in the original, don't they? Obviously, there are you know posters everywhere. So it's not the be-all and end-all. I do like the idea, though, of reuniting the sculptures, getting wonderful um, loans in return from Greece, mm. and maybe having a wonderful digital display that recreates this one, this marvelous history that belongs to both the British Museum and to the Parthenon. And th I'd go to see that. Best of both worlds. Madeline, no, we have to have people. Yeah, we have to have people who haven't spoken yet. Uh, so the chap behind you, the white hair. Sorry, it's just I've got a different angle to you, James. I can see more. <laughs> In more ways than one. I think we've heard a pretty compelling case from Sarah and Ed this afternoon. I just wonder what could be the pivot point on this? I mean, does it require a, a Sunday Times campaign or a, a mail campaign or a Times diary campaign? Or I think it requires Michael Gove to call for them to be returned. <laughs> 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 so, so, so or, or perhaps the return of the last Prime Minister to his, uh, his, his uh, former role where he could follow through on what was an early enthusiasm, I understand. 
I mean, rather frustrating. I mean, um, had I not been reshuffled back to the backbenches um, uh, last month, I would have been uh, at a UNESCO conference uh, last week with Lena Mendoni, the Greek culture minister. Um, and UNESCO is very keen that the UK uh, and Greece talk about it, although it is a matter for the trustees of the British Museum, not for the uh, the British government. But I, I, I do think this sort of question of the the, the Palermo fragment is an interesting one. The, 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 it was. It, I, I don't think the British Museum should have an. In, you know, offer an indefinite loan like uh, the Salinas um, uh, Museum uh, has done. But the British Museum has said repeatedly and has, uh, you know, in, in recent years lent uh, these items. If the, the Greek government were willing to accept uh, their legal ownership of it, then they would, I'm sure, follow through uh, on, on that gener- generous offer. And for me, the, the, the frustrating thing for me, sort of answering questions in, uh, on this over the last uh, 12 months, is that I think the very reasonable position uh, of the British Museum has, has rather been lost in, uh, in, in the debate there. And so it feels, you know, there is, a, there is a glimmer of hope in the right foot of Artemis. Uh, <laughs> is, uh... I, I do think there's room for <coughs> negotiation there, yes. but I do wonder whether we would accept that, say, the Greeks had legal ownership of Stonehenge when we were negotiating for its return. I mean, I think that is quite an important sticking point for the Greek government. Well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think it, it is a real issue. I mean, fundamentally, you, you cannot loan things out to countries that do not recognise your, your ownership of them. And, you know, I, I think that I'm not... Others may know more about the history of any legal challenges on this front, but my understanding is that there have been some overtures in this direction, and it's not really led anywhere. I know Geoffrey Robertson was looking into it, various other people too. And it's notoriously difficult. I also fundamentally don't think we can take a kind of year zero attitude (coughs) towards these things and go back in time to 200 years when people obviously behave very differently. And I'm I'm not defending it, but... You know, according to the laws of the land that were in place at the time, imperfect though that may have been, I don't think we can start to just trawl through the past and attempt to impose all of our own virtues and sensitivities on it. Sarah, when you, you say that you changed your mind on, on it, that you wouldn't have thought it was, and what, what was it seeing? Was what changed your mind seeing the kind of the magnificence of the new museum? Because I remember. When this debate was taking place 25 years ago, we used to argue that the air pollution in Athens meant that they shouldn't be returned to you. But the museum, do you think it is the museum and, uh, and the fact that they now would be displayed in a different way? Is that what has shifted your position? To some extent, yes, very much so. I mean, my father had a retirement job with the Friends of the British Library when it was still in the British Museum. And I used to, I always loved the British Museum, and I used to go and look at the marbles with him. And I used to admire their display. I used to think that the Duveen Gallery was magnificent. You know, you'd see that whole row of the frieze. But when you do go to Athens and you see the Parthenon and you see the open glass windows of the Acropolis Museum looking right out onto the Parthenon and you see the way that they have made the frieze to the exact size that it would have been um, were it still on the, on the temple... Uh, that, to my mind, it doesn't compare with the uh, Duveen Gallery. And I've heard the, the Greeks describe it as a sort of, you know, sad and dull windowless building and um, it, where, it, where they are in the British Museum. And at first I was shocked by that because I always thought how marvellous that gallery was. And, uh, but then I have to say, when I went back and revisited it, having seen the Acropolis Museum... It did look a bit sad and dull and windowless, to be frank. And, uh, but it's, and, and that's one of the things that really helped to shift my mind. Ed, you, you know George Osborne very well. 
Do you think he is going to um, go out on a limb to try and return them? Uh, well, I'd be, better be careful what I say because I don't want to get George into trouble. But I think George is very interested in. <laughs> Would the never issue. have done that before. I think. Um, <laughs> I think George is interested in the issue. I think he's uh, in some ways closer to Stephen Parkinson's position, in the sense that um, the ownership issue, and I, I return back to that, is is a very real issue. And I think, um, in terms of uh, being realistic uh, about what an outcome could be. If you are Greek and you want to see a Parthenon sculpture in the in the Acropolis Museum near its home, you may have to um, engage with this ownership issue because unless and until uh, there is a wholesale sea change, either from a British government uh, or the Board of Trustees of the British Museum, who do effectively are the first stage... Um, I don't think that the sculptures would leave the British Museum to go to Greece while this issue was still up in the air. So there has to be some give and take on both sides. But I do think uh, that uh, without putting any words into George Osborne's mouth, I've never, ever spoken on his behalf, even when I served him as the guy who emptied the waste paper bins in his office when I was the arts minister. Um... I think he would regard it as a great moment in cultural uh, diplomacy and exchange if some of the Parthenon sculptures could be seen back where they originally came from. And therefore, I think he would be open to discussions uh, with uh, significant parties, whether that is the Greek government uh, or the Greek uh, cultural um, uh, establishment uh, on seeing something like that happen. And it doesn't need to happen necessarily permanently. I think there is also recognition in terms of how the Greek uh, cultural uh, establishment has come to the table in terms of an exchange of objects, uh, I think is very, very uh, important. And I think that I do not see any deal that may or may not materialise as being one-way traffic. I think if a deal does materialise, you will see two-way traffic. So what you are, what you are saying to, to decode it for the audience is essentially, if the, if the Greek government were to recognise the fact that the British Museum uh, legally owns, I'm not sure the, they need to formally recognise it, but they need to. I think they would need to give a guarantee that they wouldn't ignore it. I think it would start as a, I think it would start as a loan. I think it would be uh, based on an exchange of cultural objects between the, path, uh, the Acropolis Museum and the British Museum. I think the uh, two sides would probably agree that ownership could still be discussed, but the transfer, the loan or deposit of the Parthenon sculptures a la Sicily would not de facto therefore mean that there was, one, there was only one direction the ownership debate could go. Have I obfuscated enough for you? Um, I, 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 I think you can, you can see your new successful career in M&A. So, um, um, but just, Stephen, to, to you just, just very quickly, do you think that if they were loaned, that that loan would, would inherently become permanent? 
No, I, I don't think it would, and I don't think it should. I think I think the, the, the bread and butter of of museums is is le- is lending items to so that you know the, 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 there is you know the, the, I, I do believe in the ideal of you know of global collections, and the, the the British Museum you know does it par excellence. But there are many excellent museums around the world which do it. Um, uh, all museums have collections larger than they're able to display at any one, any one time. You know the the people who look after them are passionate curators. They want the largest number of people to see to learn about uh, and to help with the the constant process of historical inquiry about these these objects uh, and i think that's you know you, you you can't learn the full history of anything just from you know one, one museum's account of it you know as I say, by going to the acropolis museum i learned an awful lot more about you know lord elgin and the process um you know by which they were removed in uh, in 1801 um i didn't learn as much about the the the, the um the explosion in 1687 which i think is you know but you know, the, you know, the, the Piraeus lion is still at the Arsenale in, in, in Venice. You know, it was seized by the Doge who mm. you know, blew up the uh, the Parthenon and you know and boasted about it being a fortunate shot. You know, his history is littered with uh, incidents which you know might make us um, uh, squeamish today. Unlike Ed, I mean, I, I I don't I don't dispute the legality. Of, of the British Museum's uh, ownership, I think it is important that you know property rights and the sort of the, the you know the wider gifts of the things that make us civilized, or you know private property, the rule of law, um, are upheld and seem to be upheld by by international museums. There, there was a due process; it was looked into by Parliament. There was a vote of Parliament uh, in 1816, uh, which, which which agrees it. And I, I don't think sort of unpicking that is going to create. Um, you know any sort of you know happiness? It can't undo mm. uh, some of the tragedies that have befallen these these, these beautiful items over two and a half uh, millennia. Um, but uh, you know the, the uh, allowing loans and continuous um, uh, educational experiences would I think be to you know to, to a common good. It, it does strike me that that that, that a loan would be highly <laughs> likely to become. I I, 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 I I take your point, Stephen, that you know, a loan of any duration longer than a certain amount of time would be likely to become... No, I don't, I don't think, you know, if, we, if, they, if they can be loaned to the Hermitage in, in Russia, they can be loaned to to anywhere, and um, you know, I think it's important that they're sort of, the, and those, and it's often, you know, accompanied by, you know, an ex- exchange of items, but I think it's, you know, museums loan items all the, all the time, uh, they, they should do that, they should be encouraged to do that. Madeline, do you think a loan would necessarily become... A permanent situation. <laughs> I I think it would become complicated, but I think that recognition of our legal ownership is essential for there to be any further overtures whatsoever. I think we have reached a bit of an impasse until until that changes. I mean, I don't. This is, I do not understand the technicalities of museums loaning to each other and what legal arrangements there there are in place to safeguard that. Um, perhaps the public the the British public would get used to them not being the British Museum and everyone would walk away pretty happy with them. Perhaps they would just look so fabulous in the Acropolis Museum that everyone would accept that. I don't know. I just know that without that acknowledgement, I don't think we're going to get very far. I, mean, I think that, um, as I said, I, I think the, the legality of how the Parthenon sculptures were removed is highly dubious. But de facto, yes, they are now owned by uh, the British Museum. And I think were there to be a... Uh, were the Parthenon sculptures to be loaned or deposited at the Acropolis, they would be being loaned and deposited, and also objects would come in our direction. And the way that international museums work, given that they work in an international environment, is that those Parthenon sculptures would be returned to the British Museum 
if the British Museum requested them to be so. For, Greeks, for the Greeks not to do that would effectively make them kind of pariahs in terms of cultural mm. exchange. What I think will happen, therefore, is that there is likely to be, <clears throat> hopefully, this kind of uh, loan or deposit arrangement and an exchange of cultural objects, while the ownership question is kept open. And at the end of the day, were the Parthenon sculptors to return permanently to the Acropolis Museum, there would de facto be a change of ownership, as in the British Museum and the British government would have to agree effectively to transfer ownership. So ownership is important. Uh, you know, there would have to be a kind of legal agreement that they, these were now owned by the Greek government or the uh, Acropolis uh, Museum. So I, I don't think I don't think any Greek government would countenance um, effectively seizing the Parthenon sculptures if they were physically transferred while they are technically owned by the British Museum. No, no, no seizures. So that would be done. So that, that is interesting. Um, I, I do accept that public opinion could shift. Because you know, once you once you make the move and the sky does not fall in, the, it becomes a lot easier to argue about transfer of ownership without people saying, "Oh no, this is the end of the this is the end of the line, thin end of the wedge, we're emptying our." So you say that you don't you don't agree with sending you don't want to see everything returned everywhere. Uh, I suppose what would be your response to to uh, after the return of the uh, of the Elgin marbles or the Parthenon sculptures? To another, another, um, another museum or foreign government that came and said, "Look, this object you have in the British Museum is of, is of deep cultural significance to us. You've just returned that to Greece on that basis. Why, do, why do you consider us to be less important than the Greeks and less worthy of, of the restoration of this object? What, how, how would you answer that question if you were, if you were, um, if you were in George Osborne's shoes, having returned it?" Yeah, it's a very difficult question. I mean, the, the, the other great object at the British Museum that attracts enormous amount of visitors is the Rosetta Stone. Um, I think there is a huge understanding of the value of cultural exchanges in the museum world and the value of different museums holding magnificent collections, which do serve as um, a great showcase of a country's culture and art. And... I think that, by and large, um, I mean Greece, for example, and many other countries, have wonderful museums full of um, artefacts of their own, and they don't need to have every single piece back. And there are different arguments. So you get the arguments with things, objects that were seized by the Nazis during the Holocaust. Well, that's a special case. You have um, objects that might have specific <coughs> religious um, significance, such as, um, you know, the... the Shrunken skulls, for example, which you know is terrible, um, you know, fascinating uh, for people to go and see in museums, etc. But if 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 a country says that's really not appropriate to be putting our ancestors on display in that way, I'd say you're probably right about that. Yeah. But by and large, there is so much to go around and so many marvelous objects uh, to be shared, to be viewed, to be kept owned in some cases and loaned in others, that I don't think we're suddenly going to have a collapse of museums as an institution. They are going through a reassessment period, just as zoos have done. It's a, it, that's a very different argument, yeah. but we, each generation does look at things anew, and we're yeah. looking at this anew. But it does strike me that the Parthenon sculptures do stand out as, as very, very unique. Um, we'll take one last question from that gentleman. Yeah. Um, so if we... The argument is the British Museum is a world museum and that we should have them on display in a way that lots of people can see them. 
Um, but we also seem to have a broad agreement that it would be a good idea for the marbles to be displayed in Greece at times. Um, so to be slightly controversial, perhaps we should be asking the British Museum to build a museum in Athens to display some of its Greek collection um, that would get us past some of this ownership problem and find us on a halfway house. I like it. We could display them in the British Embassy in Athens. Um, <laughs> any, any attempt to seize them would count as an invasion of British sovereign territories. But you're discounting the bre Brexit paperwork. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, is it British Museum yeah. Athens? The, 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 the Acropolis Museum is, 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 is a fine museum. I think the, the, the Greek government has spent you know a lot of a lot of time, money, and effort on you know on it and you know, it, it, adding adding to our sort of understanding of uh, you know, of these beautiful items and 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 their and their story. Um, the British Museum have lent other items to the Acropolis Museum and are happy to do it. The stumbling block is is, is the, the, the the question of ownership, but more broadly, I mean, the British Museum does an awful lot of work with with you know. With, with cultivating museums and curatorship around the world, um, it isn't. It, it, it doesn't want to sort of to hold on to and guard and, and you know and, and keep away under lock and key. Uh, its items, but you know, most of its items aren't can't be on per uh, permanent display, even in a museum of that size. It digitizes them so it can be shared with people uh, around around the world. It loans uh, to hundreds of institutions uh, around the world all the time, uh, and it spends lots of time training and in, in building up. And I think you know, it is to the greater good. The, the more museums and and the greater the quality of museums around the world, the better. Um, you know, the more we understand each other's cultures. But I think it's it's so important that. That there is that exchange, and that, that items can be seen out of the place where they were first created. Otherwise, you know, unless you are, you know, rich and mobile and able able to go and visit uh, the country of the culture that, that you know that you want to find out mm. about, we're we're going to we're going to end up in a situation where people actually encounter far less of human history and human uh, heritage. And I think that would be, you know, a great shame. Uh, you know, if the if the the romantic appeal of returning things to close to where they were made meant that actually fewer people saw and understood them. Um, our hour is almost up. I, I wonder whether Greek mythology actually contains the, the answer to the problem. Which is, if you remember when Persephone went to the underworld, uh, she ate six <laughs> pomegranate seeds and she spent, uh, uh, and her, her mother, Demeter, came down and said, You must return her. And they, they said she'd been conned into eating the pomegranate seeds. And the eventual compromise was that she would spend six months a year in the underworld and six months uh, 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 a year here. And I wonder whether some compromise like that might be. Uh, the, the answer to, to, to this question. Um, I think this is one of the, the, the best panels that um, has been assembled at this conference, one of the most interesting conversations we've had. So would you join with me in, in thanking them in the usual fashion? <laughs>